Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Learning with the Lion, a community read-through of the Gospel of Mark. Over the summer of 2023, members of the Ligonier community are coming together to walk through a 13-week exploration of Jesus' life, practicing reading the Bible together and asking what it means for everyday life. For more information, visit epiphanyligonier.org mark, where you can also sign up for our companion e-newsletter. One of the best ways to understand a passage from the Bible is to look for repeated words and phrases and ideas. Especially in more complicated passages where the poetry of the Old Testament prophets wades through some dense imagery, where the New Testament epistle writers explain a dense theology, repeated words and phrases can help a reader focus on what the passage and its author find to be of top importance. For example, many people know the famous creation story in the first chapter of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Six times in that passage, God will say that some part of creation, the stars, the planets, uh, the light, plants, animals, the text will say, and God saw that it was good. And finally, after God made everything, the text will say that God steps back and observes it all and says, this is very good. Genesis wants us to know that the world was made by God to be very good. It was a project that brought God pleasure. But then, if this world is very good, What's the deal with the hardship and suffering and death and failure? You know, all that stuff that makes this world seem like it's very bad. Well, those are the exact questions that Genesis wants you to ask. And if you flip through to the next chapter without pausing to land on this question of goodness, well, you're going to miss a key part of the text. This week in Mark's reading, you'll find one of the most famous patterns of repeated ideas in the Bible. Why the heck is it that Jesus goes around healing people and casting out demons while telling everyone to be quiet about it. There's two examples in our reading this week. First is that Jesus performs an exorcism in the middle of an Old Testament-style church service. It must have been quite the show. The demon who is driven out from the man actually recognizes Jesus. The unclean spirit says, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. The second example is a leper who comes to Jesus for healing. After Jesus heals the leper, Jesus has this extra demand he puts on him. Here's the text. See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. Well, the leper ignores Jesus' words, of course, and blabs about the whole experience. These two examples from Mark's gospel form a pattern. We read that Jesus regularly cloaks his messianic identity from the crowds. He regularly tells people not to talk about his healing ministry. And he regularly tells unclean spirits to keep their mouths shut. Part of it, of course, probably has to do with crowd control. By the end of our passage this week, because the leopard disobeyed Jesus and blabbed to everyone about his healing, Jesus can't enter towns anymore because of the crowds. He has to minister and camp outside of towns and villages and remote places in the wilderness, Because the maddening onrush of desperate and sick people, it just clogs his ministry up. He can't do what he's called to do. This, however, it doesn't explain why the demons are silenced. It also doesn't explain why later on in Mark's gospel, Jesus reveals his true mission and intention to the disciples, but tells them to keep quiet as well. 
It also can't explain why Jesus performed some miracles directed to the crowds. Twice in Mark's gospel, Jesus feeds thousands of people who have followed them into the wilderness to hear his teaching. Ultimately, if we follow this pattern of secret and hidden news, we'll discover that there are two ways to miss out on the gospel. The first is to not know Jesus at all. The second is to misunderstand who Jesus is. Jesus knows his mission is to do more than heal and cast out demons. He knows his mission extends beyond a call to repentance and the announcement of God's kingdom. But the crowds and the disciples, nobody knows that yet. Imagine for the first time you sit down to watch The Wizard of Oz, right? The the film from the 1939, Judy Garland. It's your first time watching this film, this black and white film, and you get about 20 minutes in, and imagine you're feeling pretty darn disgusted. This film that everyone's been talking about is about a poor Dust Bowl Kansas girl whose dog bites a real witch of a neighbor, and then the neighbor comes back with the police to have the dog euthanized. Well, the dog escapes the police, it returns home, Dorothy and the dog run away together, They find a fortune teller who's a charlatan. He says they have to go home. And then their house gets destroyed by a tornado. (laughs) It sounds like a real winner of a film, doesn't it? Those first 20 minutes. And so you can be forgiven for turning it off and moving on. But then when you tell your friends about watching The Wizard of Oz, you'll say, gosh, what a depressing and horrible film. I had to turn it off after 20 minutes. It's so sad. Even if it was Judy Garland, I don't feel like watching a movie where a poor girl has her dog euthanized. Now imagine if you said that. Everyone would make so much fun of you. You'd be ridiculed by your friends and family. You'd be the laughingstock of your office. You've misunderstood the point of The Wizard of Oz completely, and you've lost out on the joy and the the beauty and the fun that it can bring you. Well, the same danger exists in Mark's gospel. Jesus is on a mission, and the crowds have only seen the first 20 minutes or so of a very big, beautiful mission. The danger, as Jesus understands it, is that if the crowds only understand the first parts of his ministry, they're going to miss the climactic ending, which is the most important part. And that is, of course, what we get from this theme of noticing repeated words and phrases and concepts. This Sunday, we're going to explore this blabbermouth leper's story more in depth. There's a lot going on in this man's healing, and if we spend time with it, we'll learn more about Jesus and his Mr. Clean ministry. And next week on the podcast, we'll be introduced to some of Jesus' first real enemies, the Pharisees, a denomination within the Jewish people with a very narrow and really harsh understanding of what it means to follow God. In the meantime, enjoy your time reading through the second part of Mark 1, and we'll see you on Sunday, if not sooner. Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania.